everybody. Welcome back to Visual Novel Book Club. I'm your pal, Sloby. With me, of course, my good friend, Rosella. Hello. My good friend, Polahoko. I'm back. My good friend, Jim. Hey, everybody. My good friend, Oren Ronan. Good evening. Unfortunately, Turbo had a last minute thing and couldn't make it. I don't know why I said it like that, but they did. So whatever. Um, can, can, can I start with uh, a little correction segment? Sure. Okay. Because we just published our first episode, um, and it <laughs> mm-hmm. has been brought to my attention that um, we spoke a little bit about the origin of uh, Herlock Sholm's name, and mm-hmm. I mentioned it came from oh. uh, Lupin the Third story, <laughs> uh, and of course it didn't come from Lupin the Third story. Lupin the Third is the anime character that's based on, it's supposed to be the grandchild of the original Arsene <laughs> Lupin. Um, so, so yeah, so thanks to... Um, Whoever it was that commented on your video. and uh, <laughs> We are going to get so many emails about that blunder. You have no idea. <laughs> Sorry that. The thing is that I'm, I'm editing the second episode now, and I say Lupin the third like 50 times in that one. <laughs> just, just over and over. It flows. Can't you just cut out third and have it like be really just like just Lupin and then like a quick cut, you know? <laughs> <laughs> because we have a much longer conversation about the, 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 the Herlock Sholmes name in that one. <laughs> it just flows really well. Uh, just keep saying Lupin the Third over and over. This is what happened when none of us fact checks you. Like we just all go along with us. Like, yeah, that sounds right. Well, usually, usually he knows. You know, like, usually it's something about like Japanese puns, and I'm not going to be like fuck that guy. <laughs> you know, but oh, and I, I just looked it up. It, it's it Toasty Mozart on your comment section who who corrected me. So thank you. Ah, uh, thank you, Toasty Mozart. <laughs> What was the name again? Toasty Mozart. Toasty Mozart. Uh. Gotcha. All righty. Well, I'm clipping. I should stand away from my microphone a little bit. All righty. Um, listen, chapter four has begun. It's episode four. And this time we did the investigation of chapter four, which I don't get the title. Um, maybe I should, but. It's the case of the clouded k- Kokoro? Kokoro, yes. The, uh, so. What's a. Yeah. Kokoro. I feel like I know that. Kokoro is. is well, do you know what Kokoro means in Japanese? You should. Does that mean heart? Yes. Well. well I, sh- I guess from Kingdom Hearts I should, yeah, but <laughs> I don't. Kingdom Kokoros. Well, yes, yes, it's complicated, but let's let, let not go about the exact meaning of Kokoro right now. Anyway, the way okay. this, they, they, it's still Kokoro in the English translation is because Kokoro is the. Um, probably second most famous or tied for second most famous uh, book written by uh, Natsumo Sasaki. Um, and uh, it's, all, it's, it's titled Kokoro in its English translations too, so that's the reference here. Oh. Wait. I guess I don't want to spoil it, so I'll try to remember to ask the question incredulously when we meet someone this... this well, yeah, well, well, we, we, we'll get to that when we meet him, but I have questions to you yeah. about how much you know and don't know about Japanese literature <laughs> at that point. <laughs> yeah, please remind me. Boy, I know a lot about Japanese literature, believe you me. So, um, well, this one uh, opens... Let me pull my notes here. This one opens again on a Wilson and Sholmes story, you know, and they're thinking about the the case of that young lady who collapsed with a knife in her back, really, you know? And it starts out, like, in that sort of, not sepia, but, you know, like, that, like, journalish style of, like, not, you know, you know how they do it. And, but 
when the chapter opens proper, of course, um, Naruhodo and Suzato are in the Lord Chief Justice's office. What's his name again? Male Strongheart, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, and they basically accidentally stayed in an expensive hotel the night before, just because, like, uh, you know, obviously it was late. Naruhodo didn't know where he was going or anything, you know. So um, I forget how much it cost. Like, I think three. It was three pounds. pounds. Yeah. yeah. And so they're like worried about their stipend running out or whatever. Yeah. They said if, if they keep spending at that rate, they'll go through it in like 10 days. Uh, which do, do we know how long their stay is supposed to be? I, I guess until they do the thing that Cosmo wanted to do. Well, it's, it's ridiculous to say a semester because I don't think like in the 19th century university was the same. But it's a study abroad usually is right. It's like I, I think it's supposed to be at least at least a year. Yeah, the the trip is long too, so it's it would be wasteful to be any less, probably. Yeah, if you're spending yeah. two months on a boat, you better be there for at least a year. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they haven't specifically said yet, though. You also lose like a day because of the time zone. So, yeah, but we uh we don't know for sure. So it's like, um, so long. Lord Strongheart arrives, confirms that we won uh McGilded's case. Woo! You know, he's like. You are, in fact, a lawyer in the eyes of uh, the British Empire. And I've got another case for you already, so this is going great. But we also learned that Magnus McGilded, di- Magnus McGilded died after the trial. Yeah, he, he, he was the one in that burning carriage we saw at the end. Yeah, he burned to death. So yet another person who's inconvenienced by knowing Naruto. <laughs> I'm just going to point out, no way. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I don't think any I don't think any of us buy this right no. like without knowing anything I was like I you know yeah it's a burnt it's a burned corpse in there something makes them think that it's uh McGilded but you know come on right yeah mm. exactly I don't know, I, I guess I'll be the doubtful one you think it actually is McGilded I think it is wow okay but given given what we were told at the very end of this segment about um, uh, Van Zeke's in these past um, trials. Well, we, I mean, we do learn a little more too, which will come up. Um, but uh any rate, like the, the new case for our new case, the trial is fortunately tomorrow. So we have like a day to prep, not just, you know, whatever. Uh, there's no defense attorney. Strongheart. Oh dear. It looks like I was typing and I missed, I, I typed was, what does if wait to clarify <laughs> what, I guess what we mean, I'm sorry, I butchered it in my notes. It's like, all right, whatever. Um, Strongheart asks us to clarify what we mean by fulfilling Asogi's will. And we admit, we don't know, you know, like I have no idea what his will was. I just know I want to do it for him. That there was something special that he wanted to, to do, but he never actually told us. Yeah. It looks like Strongheart knows. Yeah. yeah. I feel like, I don't know why I got this, but did you feel like Strongheart was maybe a little relieved that we didn't know what it was, you know? Or maybe that's just wishful thinking on my part or something extrapolative, but... No, I did get the impression that it it seemed like he thought we were here to, like, topple the government or something. Yeah, like, he didn't like what Cosmo wanted to do, so maybe he's happy that, like, we don't know. He's definitely prying, for sure, you know? Yeah, whether... I don't know if he definitely approves or not, but he's definitely... He was surprised that we would know... It seems that way. And then once he realizes that we don't know, he's like, oh, okay. Then no, we're going to stop mm-hmm. talking about this now. Yeah, exactly. Then uh, he leaves us with the police inspector who just arrived. 
And um, the police inspector um, looks like he's holding. I put in front of these looks like he's holding a cup of fries, which I'm like, that can't be right. It, but I'm, it's kind of right. It is. Yeah. You're half right. He's holding fish and chips. It's definitely fish and chips. Cup. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's like there's one piece of fish sticking out and he does a thing where he bites into it and he'll like shift the cup up, which kind of like makes it, you know what I mean? Like makes the animation work so it could be endless. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he's he's uh, Lieutenant Gregson. Or we don't learn that yet, actually, because um, now you can look around a bit. And I will say that if you looked at the knights, the arm, there's like suits of armor that are around. Um, Suzato looks in her book and says that they're cursed, these knights, and that they are haunted by evil spirits always and that they wander around at night. And Naruhodo believes her because it's in the book. And she's like, yeah, you can ask me about anything about Britain and I'll let you know, which is kind of awesome. Um, anyway, um, my word of the chapter I learned was frippery, which Gregson brings up. That's his name, Inspector Gregson, which is, by the way, Todd Rear for Phyllis Things. Um, so what's funny is we decide to try to make small talk and Naruhodo is like, I know how to do this. I've heard how British people do this. And he's like, how... How's the weather? You know, and that's where he said I learned the word frippery because he's like, why are you bogging bothering me with this frippery? I don't even care to talk about the weather with you or whatever. And then Suzato um, is like, let me, you know, I'll try it. Like, how's the weather? And then he's like, oh, milady, the weather. And he like, it's always balmy here in London. So he's really nice to her, um, which is fine. Yeah, well, he's she's way more composed in these situations. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, it's pretty common that Naruto's like bumbling and can't get the words out and says it awkwardly while she in most cases is really smooth in the way she trans- transitions into this conversation I thought Gregson was simping actually uh, <laughs> no and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I just wanted to use that word because I'm old um, but anyway uh, let's see here no yeah so um, but what's funny is that like uh, she knows him too Gregson right yes yep and this is accurate Tobias Gregson is a frequently it's probably the second most behind Lestrade for uh, the detective that features in the, these Sherlock Holmes stories so in this world uh, Tobias Gregson frequently pops up in the Sherlock Holmes stories right in Rance magazine interesting I didn't know that actually um, I, you know it's funny because after we talked about Lestrade last time I remember like I don't know Holmes that well but I remembered that then but I, I totally did not know about Gregson is the, the least known one from the two all right prominent detectives in Sherlock Holmes stories. Yeah. But the quote they use is accurate where Holmes says that he's the best of the bad bunch or the, the sharpest of, of a bad bunch. Um, I say. Basically, he thinks that Gregson is the smartest detective at Scotland Yard. Is Gregson kind of like Holmes's Edgeworth or is that, I guess, Moriarty? No, yeah, that's Moriarty. Uh, Dre- Gregson's right. just, you know, he, he the cops, the, the the Bobbies and pretty much every everybody working at Scotland Yard is really depicted almost comically. Like they're really mm-hmm. dumb in Sherlock Holmes stories, um, which is kind of common for the time. Cops don't really get depicted as smart or doing anything, any crime solving until way later in, in literature. But um, but in this case, uh, he's just kind of because he he features like Lestrade's just sort of comic relief. He's he's not really that bright. He's just around and he's kind of just tenacious in in what he will do to, to sort of, you know, always go after the wrong man. Uh, Gregson <laughs> is a little more considered uh, and respects Holmes opinion a bit more uh, in this. They've kind of just it, that's not what he is in this in this depiction. He's just sort of the, he's more the, the comical, uh, you know, uh, you know, ruffled feathers, doesn't really know what he's doing. English detective. 
harumphing. Yes. The harumphing. Hmm. He's he has in Rance magazine he has a friendly rivalry with Chomes, and Gregson is not a fan of his newfound fame, and he's paranoid people are whispering about him, is what I wrote in my notes. Although I guess to be fair, you know, it's not paranoia if it's actually happening, right? So I don't know. I, I we don't know that for sure. I'm just saying, like he's not he's not happy. Yeah, in particular, he's not happy with way the way that he's being depicted in the stories, because he says that the Bobbies are on the beat and they're always doing the investigating, and then Herlock Sholmes comes in and just does his thing, and then says that he solves the crime and he gets all the credit. But he gives us kind of an overview of the case too, right? Where, um. This woman was stabbed in the back, not fatally. Um, she's in the hospital recovering. Yeah, we finally get a case that's not a murder. I know, right? How often does that happen? Yeah, she seems to be in a coma, though. We can get a statement at first, so she, she's not. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know, but I'm predicting she's, uh, she's not long for this world. For now, it's not a murder. It, just an almost murder. I'll say this: this case is not a murder. That's correct. You know, so. What whether I think you'd open a new case technically or something, but who the hell knows in this fast and loose world of 19th century British justice? Um, we do learn also the prosecutor is again von Zeeks, and <laughs> we're kind of confused on that because it's like, well, why is he here if it's not even like a murder case? And he likes to send you know his, the defendants to the gallows, and Gregson's like, well, that's a good question. You can ask him in court tomorrow. It's like, all right. Um, but then, uh, Gregson also warns us that he thinks that Zeke uses black magic. Uh, and like, it's basically like, look what happened to McGill did, you know, like, yeah, fine. He won the case, but look what happened to him, you know? Yeah. Actually, when we point, uh, when, uh, uh, Sissoto points out that, that, you know, Hey, Hey, we got the no guilty verdict. He's like, Oh, I never said he won every case. Just something <laughs> happens to everybody he goes against. <laughs> So at this point, uh, you can you can now leave, right? You can go to Briar Road, which is the crime scene, or you can visit inmate 53 in prison, who is, you know, of course, the accused. Um, I did go to Briar Road first. I don't know about anybody else because you're supposed to go to the prison to advance the plot. Yeah, I did just to see what I could see there. And it's not much. Not much. Yep. You got some Susato fangirling about the Scotland Yard a bit, which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> She really wants to wear the hat. <laughs> Although I can't remember if we brought this up last time, but I just really appreciate that when I look at something, there's a little check mark that says that I've looked at it and I can look yeah. at other things now. That is so handy. It is right. Yeah, it is really helpful, actually. I think they introduced that in the uh, when they made the move to 3DS. I think they started making it so when you when you observe the scene, it, it tells you what you have and what you haven't observed. Mm. So yeah, that that finding what hotspots were available was certainly a pain point in the original trilogy. And, and in all the, these kind of games, really. Wait, was it the DS or the 3DS, did you say? Uh, the 3DS, so like the... Yeah, okay. Because they got... For, so basically, one through four, you know, the original trilogy through Apollo Justice were all on the DS. Uh, it, at least in the US, that's, I think, where we first got our hands on them. And then starting with Dual Destinies is when they made the move to 3D. Gotcha. Let's see here. Oh, um, they also mentioned in Briar Road, there's a bicycle with like a bent wheel. You know what I mean? Like the front wheel is kind of like dented in a bit. And uh, but they mentioned that bicycles are in fashion and they're thinking of changing ladies dress to accommodate. And, you know, Naruhodo does the like dark place thing, but unironically. And he's like, I don't think that'll catch on. You know, 
He doesn't think bicycles are going to catch on. That's what he doesn't think. Yeah, exactly. He doesn't think bicycles are going to catch on, right? But you know what I mean? Like that whole, like, ah, it's never going to catch on. And it's like, oh, you, <laughs> you're so wrong. Um, I will say, though, to give him credit, he's concerned about the black smoke coming from the chimneys, which is caused by whole heating in the houses. And he's worried about it turning the sky black. So he did call carbon emission, you know, like wow. he, he called climate change. To be fair, so wrong on bicycles, but right on the important stuff, you know, although I guess bicycles would help, but whatever, you know, it's you get the idea. Um, the only other thing I noticed, too, is if you look in the, the horizon, the distance, they mentioned Crystal Tower that's being built in six months time for the great exhibition, which we've heard of before. But mm-hmm. um, but yeah, if you try to look at the crime scene, you shoot away from Scotland Yard um, and then for possibly, quote, conspiring with that fellow from Japan with the mustache. And we do know that there's nowhere for an attacker to hide here because it's just an open street. So wherever this woman got stabbed. So anyway, what happens when we get to prison? It is. <laughs> so when we go to the actual prison, uh, we get to meet uh, <laughs> the the suspect um, hmm. who I got to be honest, is really annoying. <laughs> I do not like this guy. I don't either. I like him. I don't like his design. Aww. I don't like his character movements. I just... Mm, I like McGilded better. So... I when, Good, yeah. Did any, did any of you recognize the name Natsume Soseki? I, no. Not no. at all. Nope. Okay. So, um, Natsume Soseki is, is, is a real person. That's the question I was going to ask you when you said that. I'm like, he's a real guy? So anyway, is, is actually this is this is a, a case where um, the, the, the game the, the game is written expecting you to know that he's a real guy because he's one of the most famous Japanese authors of the 20th century, um, and everyone in Japan knows who he is, including how he looks, because he was actually on the thousand yen bill uh, until uh, the mid 2000s. I just wrote that he looks a lot like Edgar Allan Poe. I was gonna say I thought they modeled him after Poe. <laughs> so look, go 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 uh, look Natsume Sasaki in Wikipedia. There's a very famous uh, picture of him that is actually. But it was the cartoon version of him we see in the game. All right, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, but that that pose that is on Wikipedia is actually is one of the sprites that he has in the game. Is based on this this photograph. I'm sorry. When I when I Google Natsume Sosaki, the first image is from <laughs> this game. Mm, yep. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna edit the Wikipedia so that that's actually there. Hold on. Natsume Sosaki, the character from. <laughs> well, you know. The, 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 the Wikipedia has like a, the English Wikipedia has a legacy section, and one fourth of it is is, is about the game. Oh God! <laughs> and this is not Natsume Sasaki's legacy. Let me tell you, <laughs> <laughs> and it is now. Yeah, like Natsume Sasaki has multiple feature films uh, made about his life. Well, I didn't see any of them, but I've played this game. So, what does that tell you? And, and now I can't read his Wikipedia page; otherwise, I'll get spoilers. He's extremely famous and, and influential. Uh, one of the most famous Japanese authors. Um, his most famous book, uh, you, you might have heard of it, is called I Am a Cat. <laughs> Any of you heard about this nope. book? No, For I, I, no. I feel like I may have at some point. I'm just going to throw out, if you're going to ask us any questions about j- Japanese literature and stuff, I'm, I'll probably go out on a limb and say you can at least default me to a no. Okay. I, I don't know anything. <laughs> so let, let me give you just um, 
a, a bit about him and how it relates to this game. So he was born in mm-hmm. 1867. Um, and in... Was um, he born as Natsume Kenosuke in the town of Babushita? In the, I'm sorry. He was. Sasaki is a pen name. Okay. I think he also says that in, in the game, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he went um, to uh, England as a, as a, uh, as a student uh, in 1900 when he was 33 to... to um, he was sent by the Japanese government um, to study English literature. Uh, he had um, a, a very bad time in England. <laughs> he had a huge culture shock. Um, he almost had a nervous breakdown. Uh, Did he get accused he, of murder? He was, not, as far as I know, he was not accused of murder. <laughs> 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 but he did um, spend most of his time indoors reading books um, and develop paranoia. Uh, and basically, the depiction of in the game is fairly accurate in this, <laughs> at least <laughs> in this, this way. Yeah, he was in England for um, two years. Um, one thing I didn't know when I researched this was that he was he was actually married when he went, uh, and his second daughter was born like seven months after he went to England. So he probably didn't know that his wife was pregnant at the time. Oh, well, they had telegraphs, didn't they? Yeah. Well, when I mean when when he left for England, he probably didn't know that his wife was pregnant. Oh, I see. Then he gets there and he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, poor guy. Oh, I feel bad for him now. Oh, we gotta save him from the murder charge. And then, and then, of course, he comes back to Japan in January 1903. And in September mm-hmm. of 1903, his third daughter is born. So he went right back to it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I don't dislike him now. I just feel sorry for him. Old raw dog Natsumi, they called him. <laughs> um... <laughs> Yeah, uh, the other thing to know is that his most famous book, as I said, is called I Am a Cat. It was his first novel uh, after he came back from England. It's famous, it, it's a satire about Japanese society at the time, uh, told from the point of view of a cat. Uh, and um, it has a very famous first line uh, that was translated to I Am a Cat as yet I have no name. Um, and they reference it in this game, it's the first thing you hear him say. Uh, is a paraphrase of this line, um, and also you is, is, is in, in in general when is um, is depicted as connected to cats uh, in in all sorts of media. You mean in life and when whenever it is depicted like in a satirical way and like not 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 realistically, it mm-hmm. usually has something to do with cats. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, that's why he has a cat in this game too. Nice. Oh, he does, doesn't he? Yep. Yeah, and um, he's known for being very influential um, about Japanese language, and this game, in Japanese at least, makes a lot of references to his literature and language use. Um, The most relevant one is the thing that he does where he goes in English into uh, alliteration mode, Mm -hmm. where he does like his four poses. In, In Japanese, it's actually like four kanji... Uh, compounds that he does, um, and he's famous for in, for like making a few of those popular, and and it's it's, it's very difficult to localize, but I think they did a good job, um, at least as much as they could, anyway. Yeah, because his entire character and the way he talks and is full of references to 
um, to the real person and his works. And this, these are things that every Japanese person knows because his works are usually taught in school. So gotcha. anyone who had played this game has read Natsume Sasuke in Japan. Right. Um, interesting. I'm not trying to ask here. So the, I think, let me ask this, because Jim and Pola, you both said he was pretty annoying. When, like, I did find one trait of his, even though I do like him, like, that was annoying, was that alliteration thing? Mm-hmm. Would that is that the same for you? Yes. That was pretty much it. And also, just when I first saw him, I was kind of looking at his design, and I was like, this guy's face looks like it's drawn on. It looks like the actual person, uh, a caricature of the actual person. <laughs> Yeah, but like his eyebrows look like they were like drawn on with a pencil. I mean, they probably he was a cartoon. So I mean, yeah, he is a cartoon, but he's he's even cartoony for a cartoon. I, I like his design. He has like that. I don't know what you call it, but you know, like in like just like a doe-eyed thing, but it's like an anime where it's like a two-frame kind of thing where there's almost like little stars in your eye kind of deal. And they do that with his te- the textures of his eyes, and they don't do. I've never seen that in another Phoenix Wright game. Like it, it stands out weird, and it looks really weird. Yeah, yeah, I noticed that too. Yeah, and his eyebrows are like they're sloped like a DreamWorks character. They are uneven. Oh god, is he? Do- oh god, he is doing the DreamWorks face. Oh no! Like the first thing I thought when I saw is like, what is this DreamWorks character? Oh, <laughs> oh, not to me. I, I thought his uh, his uh, alliteration and posing was very charming. I I thought it uh, I thought it gave him a lot of character. I do like when he's shaking though. I I didn't like them. They weren't a deal breaker for me, but I think I appreciate it more now that I realize it's like a reference to something. I'm going to put something into a chat, which is um, the way he's depicted in another game as an atomic character. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is this, Oren? What the- <laughs> You should put this like in the video when you publish it. Oh my god. Can this just be the whole like video like graphic and, just, <laughs> and no one will understand why? Oh man, I can't wait to spend <laughs> eight million yen to get Natsumi Sosuke in this Otome game and, and he can date me. It is a gacha game. Can I can I give you my annoying thing about I just want to describe this. I I can't stand this about Japanese. So those kanji that make up his name, you see how the third one is like crazy complicated and it's got like a ton of like lines in it and stuff. That's so, right? (laughs) Yes. That's just so. And they're like, it's Natsu is the first one, then meh, then so, and then the last one's Seki. And that one's so much simpler than the so one and it pisses me off because it's more letter. Anyway, I'm sorry. But um, am I right on that or did I get that totally wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely right. Okay. Good. All right. Good. Whew. Now we don't have to edit that part <laughs> out to make me look smarter. So, like, okay. Um. Listen, though. The should we should we let should we keep this train going? This should we shovel some coal into the furnace and and keep a move on? Yeah. Instead, talk about how Natsume is so is speaking Japanese, which is the first thing that like we go like, whoa, you're speaking Japanese and. He, that he does his alliterative speaking thing, which we now know is a reference, and it's it's like I didn't write any of them down, you know. I mean, they are clever. Yeah, it's it's completely different in Japanese because it's it's a reference. It's like a, a four kanji compound, as I said, which doesn't exist in English. So we had to come up with something, came up with alliteration. Like his writing isn't bad. The alliteration is clever. Well, uh, it, you know, some of it does feel shoehorned, which is what it got to me. Like, he does it so often, and then uh, there are a couple times at the end where, like, the last two would just be like, oh, you guys, you just needed two more. 
You just shoved them in there. It is a very clever joke in Japanese. Um, and it's a joke that's impossible to translate. So they had to come up with something. Yeah. Obviously not as good, but I think they did a pretty good job with it. When he, uh, when he talks about how he didn't... Uh, getting a little bit ahead of it. Just when he talks about how he, he didn't... He doesn't really see what happened. He didn't really see what happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, he calls it incredibly, inexcusably, irritatingly inconvenient. And that's, that's yes. a phrase I want to just take with me into my day-to-day life. That's a good one. <laughs> but yeah, we 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 find out that he's in prison because Herlock Sholmes um, was questioned by the Bobbies, and through his deduction, they came to his um, apartment and they questioned him right there on the spot. Everyone was speaking English to him, so he couldn't really understand. So he just said yes, and I'm fine. And through that means, he's now in prison. Yeah. Yes, I do, and I'm fine. So at some point he said, yes, I do, and I'm fine to a bunch of questions he should not have said that to. Which I guess makes him uh, Apollo Justice's ancestor. I'm going to just call that canon. <laughs> um, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, he was like, um, he's, uh, uh, he saw the, bo- he did see the body. He saw like the stab body and he fled because he was afraid, you know, and uh, he was panicked when they asked the questions. According to him, there was a woman in, on the street, like, up ahead from him, and then she just suddenly collapsed, and there was no one else there. And then he panicked, oh. and, and then he panicked and ran away. Okay, gotcha, yeah, that's right. Okay, so, um, so Naruhoto, then, is having moments of doubt with, about, like, the British justice system himself and everything, and basically Natsumi is like, you're a first-class lawyer, and actually we're saying, well, we're not really supposed to be the lawyer, more like a locum uh, lawyer, like which is a term I think is more used for doctors, but it's like a person who stands temporarily in a profession. Um, but he refers to this as the locum attorney, I think, for a while. Um, uh, locum student Naruhoto Esquire. That's right. Okay. He, he calls us that repeatedly. I, I love this guy. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we tentatively agree to investigate. We don't uh, we don't say we're going to be his lawyer for sure, you know, because we're so down. <laughs> By the way, um, one of the things that you do in kind of the other Ace Attorney games is like you kind of agree to be somebody's lawyer by showing them your badge as like, yeah, it's I've presented you my badge. You can count on me. So I did that to him and he's like, oh, this must mean that you're going to take my case and defend me. And he's like, no, uh, is just like, uh, no, I just wanted to show it to you. <laughs> I think actually, too, it, it, that's how he knows you're a lawyer, right? Because he sees the armband. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, well, why did you even show it to me then? <laughs> he, he also has a habit of calling a lot of things cursed. Uh, he 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 curses, I think, the case. He curses uh, that accursed hair lock shows. We get the return of that <laughs> joke. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, he just many things. He, he calls cursed. Um, oh, uh, no, yeah. Yes, he does. Um, but uh, what do you call it? So I think at this point I went back to Briar Road then, which I think is what you have to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gregson's there and he tells us the role of a Bobby because Suzato really wants to wear, you know, the helmet until she learns Bobby's get up uh, in the morning. They walk 20 miles a day and they're like kind of like alarm clock people, which I never realized. Like they knock on the windows, everyone's windows to wake them up. Um, They like light the the like the street lights at the end of the day and stuff, you know, and basically um, Gregson is there at the scene and is telling us all that. And then that's when 
of course, uh, Suzato's like, I guess you're going to have to wear the Bobby hat, Naruto. And he's like, well, you know, the, the typical Ace Attorney, like, joke, like, when did I get that job? You know, but... Um, Those were interesting facts, though. Mm, yeah, no, for sure. The English um, walk playthrough that I'm watching on YouTube uh, to see the English section of the game, um, the person playing it was really outraged that they, they used miles and not kilometers. Um, because they thought it was a translation thing. It's not, of course. Oh, they, did, they did use miles in England at that point in time. Kilometers oh, is I a much later. Either. Kilometers is like in the 60s, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. I did not know that at all, actually. I mean, we certainly had to get Imperial units from somewhere. Yeah. yeah. Wow. You're yeah. going to be ready for the next trivia night after you listen to this podcast. <laughs> 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 not me. I forget everything as soon as we talk about it. But especially if there's a Japanese literature category. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to be going home with so many bar dollars. <laughs> You're going to be a millionaire, kid. Just don't make the ultimate. Just don't mix up the real life. It's like, that's when he was accused of murder. And then a, and then a, <laughs> Lose a it lawyer all. saved him with a sword. And the guy threw his wine. I don't know. Um, but let's see. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, um, Gregson tells us basically that there's actually two witnesses. There were two witnesses who saw um, Sosuke uh, stab stab the woman, and uh, it's a Bob a Bobby who would have been on patrol and the Bobby's wife. Which he doesn't explain why is the Bobby's wife with him if the Bobby's on patrol like working and stuff, you know. And and Gregson's like, well, you can ask him tomorrow. Not that, but like in general, like he's like, can we talk to, you know, the Bobby? And he's like, yeah, sure. Tomorrow you can cross examine him. So it's like, all right, he's not going to help us on that one. Um, there's a there, I guess discovery hasn't been invented yet. <laughs> there's also a snowman uh, on this on the screen yeah. that I find highly suspicious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where was he? Where was he that right? night? Why didn't he see anything? Oh, my God. <laughs> What a piece of crap. Um, oh, one thing, and Gregson, by the way, also opines that he can't figure out really why Zeke's would take this case. I think it's because Zeke's is like, like thought, like I, I think it's because Zeke's is like, this is maybe my chance for revenge on Naruhodo. You know what I mean? I was just going to say that he had a crush on us, but yeah, same difference. <sighs> I mean, I, I, I'm not going to say either crush or revenge, but I would say that we're a person of interest to him because we helped him in the last case. Some people, you know, the Deeks might have a fetish for being defeated in court. There's weirder shit, believe me, uh, you know. <laughs> and he became a prosecutor just to satisfy that. <laughs> Basically. So, um, you know, another th I don't think there is anything else we really got from Gregson right now, but like, because one of the things we also figured was if Holmes was there, we can go visit. And we're like, where does Holmes live? And Suzato already knows, and I think we all do, that he lives at, is it 221 East Baker Street? 221B Baker Street. Ah, it's 221B Baker Street. Shit. You almost had it. Close. Close. I'll get one thing right this podcast. I swear it. Oh, I got the con. Whatever. Um, so on the Baker Street to talk to Holmes. And I don't, I don't know why, but we get like an animated sequence, like anime animation, you know, like fully animated. I should, I guess I should really say, um, you know, with like them going to a carriage and the carriage guy, like bringing us to Baker Street. So there, there you have it. it's voice too. Like, Oh, thank you. you know. Yeah. That's, that's what we had the last one too. When we first showed up in London. And I know this is stupid, but, but it just reminded me of like the Sega CD game that was in London, like the Dracula one. 
Dracula Unleashed. Yeah, because you would anytime you'd go anywhere, you'd just go to the carriage. Thank you for the plug. I'm just really, uh, I'm just really disappointed because I was hoping that the scene would last long enough for us to actually talk to Sherlock Holmes. Because I don't feel like we've got a voice for him yet. Uh, but it keeps coming up in the the intro, the, like the little you know sepia toned intro bits where he had his you know very uh, you know posh. I'm terrible at accents, uh, but but haughty kind of thing that that I don't think actually fits the character. Now she here like that. Yeah. Now she here, Walt Wilson, as I'm the great Sherlock Holmes. Right, exactly. And so I'm I'm like I'm just wondering where like I guess that's the voice of the character Sherlock Holmes, where we know the person Sherlock Holmes, and uh, that might might be edited somewhat. So I, I really wanted to hear his voice, but that uh, that did not happen. We uh, we stopped the animation right when we knocked on the door. Didn't we get his voice at the start of chapter two when he's talking to the Russians, uh, the Russian sailors on the Berea? Yeah, I thought we did. Oh yeah, no, we did. Yeah, when he, yeah, like I'll have this solved in a jiffy, and they're like, duh. You know, I don't remember, but I think that was close enough. It's been two weeks. I I don't think it I don't feel like it matched though I like I feel like like the the book Sherlock Holmes was was haughty and pretentious and I feel like we were our our, our game Sherlock Herlock Holmes was uh he's he's awesome more of a doofus I mean he's a himbo in this game he so is yeah. the sepia narration is not from Sherlock Holmes it's from John Wilson. Well, we're going to find out where where it actually is coming from shortly. Well, it's from from the lit, the, the literary John Wilson. One of one of the intros had uh like did have Holmes say something and he had a voice that I that was that struck me as uncharacteristically uh haughty. That, yeah, it's it's way more like literary Sherlock Holmes as opposed to Sherlock Holmes in this game. Yeah. I think we're meant to get to it that the actual Holmes Holmes stories in the universe are the actual Sherlock Holmes stories as we know them. And they don't match the actual ca- the character. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. So we we go in we go into uh, we go into to twenty two twenty one B Baker Street, mm-hmm. and we're we are faced with a room that looks remarkably like I think the Right Anything Agency, in that it's a complete <laughs> mess. <laughs> uh, the room is full of uh, presumably references to Sherlock Holmes stories. Though I don't know enough to actually identify them. Mm-mm. Maybe not references, but all kind of science stuff and gadgets. There's a violin there, which he's supposedly played the violin. Uh, it's very kind of discombobulated. Looks like it belongs to an eccentric person. So it fits pretty perfectly. Lines of opium everywhere. Oh, no, yeah. never mind. But there is there is a bust of, of Napoleon that I know is a reference to a story. It is. Yeah. Uh, so I, there's there's at least one, and then there's just there's just a shelf that looks like it's full of trophies. There's like a shoe, there's like a gavel, uh, some chess pieces. It, it just I don't know. It, it to me it looks like they're references just to well known stories, and I'm just not getting it. There, there are. I can just confirm. The shoe is where he keeps his tobacco. Um, there's there's a bunch of other stuff too. Um, there's VR shot in the wall with bullet holes, which is something that happens in the books, uh, uh, which is for Victoria Regina, uh, Queen Victoria. Um, I was going to say. There's, uh, yeah, there's, there's a bunch of different references if you, if you want to examine it. So, yeah, they're all, they're all from the books. Wow, you have to be smart to play this game. <laughs> how many books have we had to read? <laughs> but how many, and how many countries are the books are from? The, the far right of the, the room, though, is very pink. That's right. 
Yeah, this is a, a, a room that has three screens, which I don't think we've ever seen before. It's it's huge. I don't know if I saw that side of the room. I feel like you can advance without it. Oh, yeah. There's there's a center view, and then you can look to the left to see uh, Sholmes's, you know, more personal area, and you can look to the right to see something a little more a little more cute uh, with a with a, a typewriter and uh, a tea set and more pink. Yeah, and that girl is here from the end of the last chapter. The little girl, the one who like took the the device back from um, uh, Gina, Ginny, I forget her name. Yeah. Um, the girl with the bazooka. Gina, thank you. From- Yes, yes, yes. The little girl with the bazooka is here. She doesn't have the bazooka. And it turns out, um, let's see, Suzada is, is, by the way, beside herself. She is absolutely fangirling over all the stuff. And basically, like, the girl appears and kind of disappears, I think, to get us tea. And, like, Suzada doesn't even notice until she's back again. And then, um, what do you call it? Because Suzada also said the King of Bohemia came here once. King Wilhelm, Wilhelm Gottsreich Sigismund von Ormstein, which I wrote down because Ormstein's one letter off from Ornstein. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's another reference, you know, to an actual genre story. To, to Dark Souls, yeah. right, yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> um... She, so, so Iris, um... I don't, um, I, I uh, you know... Dad or not, I'm never. I never really care for like cute little kid characters in video games. Yeah, I did get the gold crown Lunastra though, so yes. Anyway, um, so uh, we we don't get too much of her right now. I mean, you get yeah. She she, she is one of the main characters of the of the game, so you get a lot more of her later. Um, this is just an introduction. It's fine. I don't hate. I don't. I don't hate her. I just don't. I'm not. I'm not like into this whole like. Oh, she's so cute, kind of crap. You know. My first impression was that she looks like a magic girl. The, the first thing I noticed is that she has phone charms of uh, Sherlock Holmes and herself on her little backpack. <laughs> it's adorable. <laughs> you could actually buy those phone charms if you want. <laughs> yeah, I, please don't get me wrong. She's not. She's not bad. Actually, no. There is. There is one thing that I like about her is, and when. Um, she kind of talks to us. She realizes that we're about to take a new case. We're new here. She just deduces a ton of things about us. And she do- goes into her own little stylish deduction thing, just like her Sherlock Holmes. And all of the deductions are completely accurate and spot on. Yeah, that's pretty funny, actually. Yeah. I did like that a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, she deduces like where we came from, why we're here, blah, blah, blah. It's uh, that I have to admit was very funny. Um, her name's Iris Wilson. What? Wilson. Which would have been Watson in the original, right? And at first I was like, oh shit, we gotta tell her her dad's dead. <laughs> that was my first thought. That's what I thought too! <laughs> well, we don't we don't get into it, but in this chapter yeah. at least, but there is with the word that John H. Wilson that died, and we don't know what his connection is with this girl yet. Yeah. Right. Because yeah, we, we talked to her. We we talked to her, and you know, like you said, you know, there's there's the room, there's the left is is Holmes's area and the right is is hers and she talks and she's like yeah no we're uh we're roommates don't worry about it I I live here Sholmes lives here and it's it's fine we, we do we do ask about her parents she just like kind of waved it away so they're not around mm-hmm. yeah and she's and at one point we're like oh are you Holmes's daughter and she's like oh, oh god no and then she's like no I'm just you know I just live I just need a roommate so I live here with a grown man that's normal for a 10 year old <laughs> I mean, to be fair, in, like, 19th century Britain, maybe it is, but, like, um, no, it's, like, it's expensive, so, you know. She's also apparently a doctor of medicine at age 10. Yeah, this is when, this is when she says, oh, right, I, you know, I, I write the Herlock Sholmes stories. 
And and Suzado's incredulous, like, no, but it's, there's the guy, and he's the, the doctor of medicine. She's like, yeah, I have one of those. <laughs> I'm ten, by the way. <laughs> Humble brag. Um, no, she's like, yeah. Um, so apparently, yeah, she's the real like John Wilson. She embellishes the story. She wrote the story of the speckled band. She uh, called it. She, she's writing it now because Holmes just Holmes just told, told her about it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's also how she knows who we are, right? Because of because Holmes mentioned it, or maybe not. But she's going to make it about a snake in her story. Exactly. Yeah, she's changing it back to Holmes is ridiculous, but like because it's more interesting. She basically says she changes the details here and there. I just like the din- the dynamic between these two. Like Herlock Holmes goes out and solves a case, and then he comes home and brags about it to this ten year old who then writes a book about it. And then she's like, "Okay, where the fuck's your half of the rent?" <laughs> and she does a self insert as as like an old dude. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I think we talked about this, whether like, whether we, um, you know, like how, how exactly, you know, uh, Shelms was being portrayed and, and, uh, like whether or not he's a himbo. And I, I feel like this confirms my theory that he absolutely is because the, the stories are absolutely being edited to make him correct. Right. Like we're making up the whole snake thing, which was his original thought. And we're like, yeah, what if? But what if that were true though? Because that would be a really good story. So what if? Hmm. What if Herlock Sholmes were just a complete genius and right all the time, whereas the actual Herlock Sholmes, actual as depicted in this video game, is a uh, right like forty percent of the time. He he needs some help, you know. Like he's a couple nudges. Right, right. I, I still think that there are a lot of moments here where, like, it seems like Sholmes is, is like, acting a little bit. Uh, that he, he knows more than, than he gives out. Yeah. Well, this is kind of, like, unconfirming that for me, in a way. You know what I mean? Like, now it seems like, no, maybe, like, what you see is what you get, you know? But, um, uh, what am I trying to say here? But, like, it's Iris now who's actually kind of, you know, doing it. You know what I mean? So... I don't know. I guess, like, what I'm saying is last chapter or chapter two, I had that theory of like, oh, Holmes is pretending to help Naru Hodo or whatever. But I'm like, maybe no, maybe he just does isn't that great. And it is Iris the whole time. I think you're getting that impression because, like, he'll go along with something. But when he's corrected, he'll just immediately go with that as if he knew it the whole time. I I think I've got that impression because I'm correct. Uh, no, you're right. Um. Anyway, so I, I'm going himbo Sherlock Holmes all the way, taking it straight to the bank. Know. All right, I'm I'm going I'm going. It's Iris behind the scenes pulling the strings, and now Narahoto. But anyway, whatever. Um, what happened? So yeah, then we're like kind of like okay, um, we're defending somebody. You know, we want to find. You know, is is Herlock around? And she's like, no, he's running an errand, unfortunately. But if you want like help on this or whatever. You can give you can give this note to Gregson, um, you know, and he'll help you out. She calls Greg- him Gregsy because she has cute little nicknames for everybody. I forgot to bring that up. Yeah, she because she calls us Runo, I think, right? Yep. And which Susie yeah, and Susie and Runo. Yeah, Susie, I think fits a little better. Like Runo, I was like Runo, I'm like oh Runo. Yeah, okay, I got it. Yeah, this is one of the things where I think it's a very good translation, but it just feels weird to me. Um, mm-hmm. In Japanese, it doesn't re- really make any sense. But the 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 translation here is that in Japanese, she uh, calls him um, Naruhodo Kun and Susato Chan. So she immediately goes to the like friendly honorifics. 
Um, which doesn't make sense because the changes are never on a reflex. Right. They, tr- they translated it to the much more um, accurate and like nicknames, but it just feels weird to me because I'm 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 used to the original. Didn't they do that in like Phoenix Wright also? Like, isn't that why she calls him Nick? Um, she being Mia Fair. Yeah, yeah. That, that that's a usual translation to like honorifics. They ah. make them nicknames. Um, or Feeny and Trials and Tribulations, which I didn't like, and I know I'm in the minority, but whatever. Anyway, um, so what happens next here? So, uh, oh yeah, she says to go to Gregson and give him this postcard, right? Yeah, it's it's a pink postcard with, I think it's five shillings on it, and a note yep. on the back that says, uh, hey, this guy in the black is going to ask you questions, just tell him whatever he wants to know. I trust it won't be a problem. Which is, like, an interesting sort of, like, not threat, but you, you, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, you know, like, you're going to do what I'm asking you. It's like a power play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so, uh, with that, oh, um, let's see. So, uh, we go back to Briar Street. Uh, Gregson, um, when he we give her the postcard, he refers to her as her ladyship. So, he's, like, totally like, yeah, okay, I'll do it, you know. And basically the money, the five shillings, is kind of like his royalties for being in Rance magazine, you know? Yeah. So he's, he still doesn't like it, but it, it seems like here he kind of is okay with it, maybe more than he let on, you know? So The, the way they, they say that the amount they paid him was, uh, what, enough to keep him in, in fish and chips for a month? <laughs> so yeah, that, that's, you know, I guess it depends on how often you get those, but I can understand that uh, that sort of sweetening... Softening the blow a little bit. For sure. And um, so Gregson does help us and he lets us know about where Natsume was staying, Natsume, Sosuke, whatever, was staying. And we get to go to a new location, which is his lodgings right there on Baker Street. Should be mentioned, by the way, um, there are windows on this building, but they are bricked up. And we're going to learn about that, too, in a bit. But when we um, we go there, uh, we actually say we actually meet his landlord who lives on the Second floor, I guess there's a ground floor, too. So it's like ground floor, first floor, second floor. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? Like the third one up, but technically the second. The, the British second floor as opposed to the American second floor. Right. Actually, do you want to know uh, a wacky thing in New Jersey? This one county or whatever, um, the they do the same thing. And the reason is because in that county, you get like you have to like pay a different property tax if your building is three floors or higher. <laughs> so some offices will make the first floor the ground floor to get around it. Yep. Wait, in, in in America, is ground floor the first floor? No. So it's, it's yes. no, usually not. Yes. I'm just saying like it's weirdly in this one place. Usually ground floor and first floor are synonymous in, yeah, in America. Exactly. Exactly. And there's no 13. Yeah. Usually. Usually. But not if you can evade taxes. And that's the American way. One floor, floor up from the ground floor is always the second floor, though. Yeah. You go from the ground floor to the second floor. In this game, they refer to ground floor, first floor, second floor, which means like the first floor, the second floor, and the third floor. Yeah, this is the way it's, it's done in, in England and also in my home country. Yeah, so that's what I'm used to. It's all over yeah. Europe, yeah. Everywhere in Europe has the same thing and in other places too. I think there's a lot of, a lot of the world has uh, ground first, second first is an elevated floor above the ground. I'll tell you like for sure, New York City, at least, or at least the building I've been in are like the, the there's lobby or first floor and then second floor is the next floor up from the ground. You know, yes, our first elevated floor almost everywhere in America is called the second floor. Right. I'm, I'm pointing out there's one place in New Jersey where like, for taxes. <laughs> yeah, like there's like a thing. But anyway, 
and I'm sure other places, but whatever, um, generally. Anyway, um, so we meet the landlord who looks like the moon. Uh, he's an old war hero. His name is, I don't get his name. His name's Garadeb, John Garadeb. It's a, it's a character from a home story. For God's sake. It's such a weird name though. Though in, in, in this case, the character from the home story has nothing to do with this one. It's just a name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the name is supposed to be weird, though. The point of this, because basically, basically the, the home story, which I can just go over real quick, is it's, it's just a con job. It's literally just like a, a prince from Nigeria is trying to give you $5 million, like one of those. Except in this case, this weird dude named uh, Nathan Garadeb, who has a weird last name, has someone contact him saying like, oh, my name's John Garadeb, and uh, there's this rich guy in America who wants to give us lots of money if we find a third Garadeb. And it's just a con man, a, a criminal who's trying to get him out of his apartment to find this other Garadeb who doesn't exist, so he could get in and get some like um, some like money and stuff that someone else had stashed there. Interesting. So the point is that you know it's it stands out as odd because the last name is so weird. I say, interesting. Um. Well, anyway, Garadeb is there with his maid. Um. I don't know if they mentioned it here, or I think they mentioned it a little earlier, but apparently, like, if you're middle class in Britain at the time, you have, like, you have, like, servant, or you have some kind of staff, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's sort of like a station kind of thing. Yeah, it was like a status thing. Sean explained it a little bit later. Oh, okay. I thought, actually, I thought it was earlier, but, uh, whatever. Um, or there's, like, maybe optional. I don't know, whatever. At any rate, he's got it made, and he's, and she's pouring him tea, and, like, the little animation gimmick, which they do a lot, is, like, she keeps accident or, well, she keeps accidentally overflowing the the teacup you know um and like burning his hand he's yeah. like confound it woman you know like, so i really i really like these characters it's it's not so accidentally yeah no i uh <laughs> you're right i'm sorry good uh i like these characters because you kind of pointed out one half where his face is the moon but her face is shaped like the sun you know, I didn't pick up on that until you said it, yeah. Cause yeah, he, he has like a pointy hair pointy hair and a pointy beard. So he looks like um you know, like a moon. And, and we only ever see him in profile, at least to start, so he he's got the, the pure crescent moon silhouette. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the maid's face is, is very round and she's got like the maid hat on that makes it look like little sun flares. Her cheeks have jiggle physics. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and her cheeks do have jiggle physics, which is pretty which is honestly pretty funny. Um uh, so, um, what do you call it? The, so the, we ask about Sasuke and basically the, the maid's like, he always looked shady to me, you know, like, and then, uh, she's like, we're like, well, how? And she's like, well, you know, look, every day he would go to the bookstore and he wouldn't leave until 5 p.m. And while everyone else goes to bed at 9 p.m., he could stay up till, until 2 in the morning. And Suzato's like, I'm sorry, ma'am, but how do you know his exact routine to that detail? And including when other people go to bed and like, um, this is where I noticed it wasn't so accidental because uh, then, like, she spills the tea, like, on him to, like, kind of, like, to shut you know, him up. distract or change the subject. Yeah. And whenever, basically, like, anything like that's about to happen, she, like, that's when she spills the tea, it seems yeah. like. Yeah. And it was at this point I had, like, my notes here. It's like, is this, like, a sub-dom thing that I'm not catching on to? <laughs> <laughs> like, did I stumble into something weird here? I mean, it's... It's either that it's either consensual or it's not. And I guess if, if those are your choices, I would rather it be consensual because <laughs> it seems like a whole lot of, of third degree or second degree burns. I mean, it, yeah, it's definitely a way to like kick somebody. It's definitely more than kicking someone under the table, you know, yeah. but uh, <laughs> we keep waiting for this game to get horny. 
It's going right. to happen at some point. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> it's going to be Von Zeke's. No, um, what happens next? So, uh, okay. Um, is there anything else we get right now? I feel like we don't. I mean, we ask them if they saw anything. Gerdip saw something, but every every time he tries to say it, his maid spills tea on him and shuts him up. Yeah, it, yeah. it seems like something happened around that time, but the maid doesn't let him say anything. Yeah, it's like, oh, no, it's, it's foggy. You couldn't possibly see anything. We were having dinner. And it's like, well, there was that, like, one little thing. And then, yeah, spills the tea. And we just, we don't. She spills the tea to prevent him from spilling the tea. <laughs> there you go. I was how to work it in that was the question I had and you you got it um you got there alright uh, no uh, um, you, you can look around the room too and, and there's a lot of evidence that he's not a very good that he was not a very good military man yeah um, yeah like the medal on on the mantle is like a participation ribbon that they just give to anybody yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know I didn't actually notice any of that stuff and also there are, there are some signs of destruction around the room <laughs> Oh, that's, yeah, that's right. And there's like a burn mark on the carpet and things are broken and yeah. And there's a cannon. Oh yeah, there's a cannon. That's right. Anytime you investigate something where it's like this military stuff that's apparently very highly kept, he's just like, oh, that old thing. Yeah, I just uh, brought it home because, you know, it's just nice to have around. He also keeps calling everything Bali? Bali? Bali. Bali and good. I, I had trouble looking that up because that's a, a brand like capital B brand. Yeah. Oh, like uh Bali Midway kind of. Oh yeah, you're right. Uh, yeah, just, just search for Bali British slang and you you'll get a definition first result. Okay. Yeah, it seems it seems like it's synonymous with with bloody. Like it was a it was an intensifier that was somewhat dismissive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like yes, this, you know, this this stupid thing. Everything's bullshit. Seemed to be the general tone of the usage. So probably didn't need to look it up unless i'm wrong i've heard bloody is, is just a quick aside bloody in british slang is like pretty severe right as far as slang goes like kind of like the f word almost or is yeah. that just totally yeah. wrong i i thought it was it was more like damn like i thought it was like one of those swears that you can almost say in front of children i say like I, I i thought it was on the other end the way i understand it is it is like fuck and you can't actually say it on tv and, and things like that yeah, I've actually heard people say bleeding instead of bloody. Well, anywho. Um, if you're British, chime in. Also, we apologize. <laughs> I don't. Um, so we go to we go to Natsume's room, right, to look around, I think. And then uh, it's very, very full of books. And there's a cat on a pillow by itself. And now I know why. Oh, um, yeah. And there's a receipt on his desk for a book that he bought at 4.45 p.m. And I looked over to the right side of the room and who did I see sitting on a pile of books reading but but Herlock Sholmes, of course. And he mixes up our names, which is great. He's like with his... He like, I think, brags about his memory and he calls us Suzato and Suzato Narahodo, which is awesome. Um, and I, th- and he, I think he misremembers something else too, which I don't remember. But uh, I, I think he asks us, he's like... He's like, that's the one with the snake, right? Like the the case we were on. Yeah, like he, yeah, exactly. Like he misremembers like the circumstances, and it's like, and then he's just like, ah, oh, well, I was close. He does that. Who are you guys again? <laughs> um, yeah, and then so Holmes is basically like, because we ask him like, you you said he's the culprit, and he's like, I didn't say that. They asked me to like find the guy, and I said, yeah, this is indeed him. You know, the guy like, who ran away. Like, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't say he was the culprit, you know? He's just the guy that fled the crime scene. Yeah. What happens next? What does, what does Holmes do for us here? And, and they found the guy because there were some books dropped on the ground, and they had the address of the um, old bookshop. And he went there, and that's where he got the address. I see. I think this is where Shelm sort of explains to us just a bunch of stuff about British history. The window tax. Yeah. Yeah. Where like, uh, so there was, there was a tax, people started boarding up their windows because there was a tax on windows essentially trying to be like a wealth tax. But uh, instead of paying that, people would just kind of board up their windows and pretend it's like, no, this, this isn't a window. It's just a decorative household. Uh, but that was like 40, it was like 40 years ago so the fact that this place still has the, the the bricked up windows is like kind of implies that maybe it's a little bit uh like in need of renovations or or, or like maybe they don't quite have the have the cash to to get it back up to date because they did repeal the tax mm-hmm. yeah and that's all where we learned it made a status symbol and if you like, between being lower class and middle class, having a maid is what makes a difference. Right. Um, yeah, that's right. But then, and like Holmes is saying that there's some, that he thinks um, Garrett, Garrett Ebb's hiding something. He can't determine if that's, I guess, relevant or not, mind you, but he's like, it's something, and he, he wants to know what it is. So, with that, if you go into your, like, traverse menu, you know, like, where do I go next? The game says about Garadeb's room, like, we haven't been there in a while, which is, I think, a nice, like, kind of way of signposting where you need to go next, but doesn't quite make sense in this instance because we just came from there. But I'll take it because I prefer the alternative because um, I always had a problem of where the hell do I go next in the Ace Attorney games, but in the investigation parts anyway. Yeah, you just you just keep trans going to different places until you get the typewriter noise and then you finally know you're in the right place. Exactly. That, yeah, though we haven't been here in a while is the game's way of signposting. There will be typewriter noise when you enter here. And But interestingly, it almost seems like it's going to be a dead end because as soon as we get there, Garrett Ebb's like, hey, sorry. Just, uh, oh, no, the maid's like, hey, I'm, I'm about to make dinner. And he's like, yeah, I'm sorry. You'll have to see yourself out. But, you know, Suzato and Naruto are like, this is our only way, like clue of or maybe like way of finding out like what's going on here. Fortunately for us, Holmes Sholmes is here anyway, like on the side. Hanging on the window. Yeah, and of course, uh, the maid and uh, Garrett Ebb are surprised to see him. This one was kind of ruined by the the sweet, the, the, the new version, uh, because it kind of sees mm-hmm. Sprite pop up at, at one point to the side. Um, and in the 3DS, they had less room, so you actually had to scroll right to see him completely. Yeah. Oh, I see. Yeah. Gotcha. So, yeah, f- uh, funnily enough, um, or not funnily enough, I should say, but like they're, they're kind of surprised to see him, you know, and maybe not too happy about it. But what's sort of interesting is that um, Holmes looks around the room in disarray and he's got everything figured out and he knows exactly how the room got like this in like it's bad in bad shape. And he's about to show us his what is it again? His logic and reasoning. The dance of destruction, the dance of deduction. <laughs> and um we get that whole thing and basically he concludes that um you know based on where he looks during the talk and everything like that doing his little dance around that garadeb was obsessed with lions and bought a lion brought an indian lion into his home who trashed everything and then what happened was there's like a burn mark where oh yeah, i should say like a kind of a hole in the carpet and he this is that the lion 
not sated by um, Garadeb's many bills, which surely like made Garadeb, you know, um, poor and in trouble. Uh, you know, feed, being fed meat and I think it's meat and potatoes and wheat and tea. Um, you know, obviously gnawed on the carpet. And that's his deduction. So topic one is it's an Asiatic lion on a rampage. And topic two is the lion not on the carpet. And then they, they, they sell the lion to the circus. Oh, that's right. And they sold the lion to the circus, right? To pay the bills. Yeah. And he's sad that he had to do that. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and um, yeah, basically we're like, but commons wouldn't like a lion can't fit in here. And Holmes is like, well, sometimes deductions go against common sense. And he's like, but wouldn't the lion... And Suzato says, wouldn't the lion have hurt them or maybe even worse? And he's like, he probably defended himself with the cannon. So Suzato's like, you can do it, Mr. Navarro. Help <laughs> out, Mr. Sholmes here. <laughs> well, one of the things that they point out is the list of items, like the meat, potatoes, uh, tea was on that item. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, why is tea on there? Lions don't drink tea. And Herlock Sholmes is like, look, if that lion's been living in London... That lion drinks tea. <laughs> yeah. It was it was based anyone of any conceit when they come to London will eventually be drinking tea. And Suzato buys that, which I like too. Yeah. She's like she's like that there are there no wonders of this country. I um so like uh but yeah, so basically we have to course correct, and in which case we start noticing some things around the room. Like, you know, uh how does it start off? Uh, behind behind a lion statue is is the photograph, which is newlywed bride, <laughs> right? Of Mrs. Garadeb, who like the face is like smashed in, so you can't see who she is. But uh, I mean, very clearly the, the photo. To be clear, the photo is smashed. Her face is presumably fine. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. The, the part of the photograph <laughs> depicting her face is fast. smashed. Yeah. All right. All right. Look, you know. <laughs> right. The, the important part of the photograph is that uh, the wedding ring is very distinctive. It looks like a little, a yes. little sun. Yeah. Let's let's keep it horny, people. No, anyway. Um. So like. Uh. Um. Right. So it's like, oh, Mrs. Garrett, eh? So, um, and then, yeah, like, we're supposed to look at the maid for some reason. But in fact, like, we noticed she has a wedding ring on, which is in fact hers. And it's revealed that, yes, actually, the maid is indeed Joan Garadeb. And basically, you know, Mr. Garadeb can't actually afford a maid. But in order to kind of, like, look good in their society, you know, British society at the time, she pretends to be the maid when they have company over. Right. So... Um, but she's but she's mad at him and she went on a rampage and like Holmes in his original deduction kept referring to the beast meaning the lion and he doesn't change that when he's talking about Miss Garadeb raging around and Suzato even notices like she keeps calling her a beast but like you know and and Naruhoto is like you know honestly and Mr. Garadeb's not correcting him but whatever <laughs> she doesn't seem that offended by it either everyone seems sort of okay well, I mean, you know, like, I think, like, if you're going to wreck the whole apartment like that, maybe she's, like, a little proud of it. Like, hell yeah. Hell yeah, I'm a beast when I'm mad, you know? Don't fuck with me, you know? The beast used to be my nickname on the streets. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they call me a beast when I serve tea because I'm so fast at it. I don't know. It could be a number of things. We also talk about how much horsepower she has in her arms. Several points. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, see? I think I think that's, the, that's what we're going with. Um, so... Uh, yeah, so basically what's great, though, is that she got really mad at him because she thinks, you know, and I'm kind of like glossing over it a bit, like that Mr. Garadeb is cheating 
on on her because there's a love note in one of the books near the bills and the and the love note which was being used the book tart says like to james from mary with like like a lipstick kiss mark you know and he's like first of all my name is john not james and i think she's like a likely story and he's like you think i'm making up my name you know um so She's basically jealous, um, you know, overly so. And that's what's leading to the rampage. And it turns out if you look at the candlestick on the table, one of the candles is missing and it's really thin on the bottom. So they're thinking in in her like rampage, um, she knocked over a candle and uh, burned the carpet, you know. But and that's that's the course correction. So they're like, you got it. Please don't tell anyone that my wife, my maid is my wife. And they, they found out, find out that the, the rampage took place like exactly when the incident took place. And that's why they didn't see anything because they were busy fighting. I see. Yeah. And, and yeah, she, she burned the carpet and everything else started burning too. Uh, some of his books. Yep. I do want to point out that uh, during the fight, that fire started and he was standing between the fire and his wife and she was still kind of attacking him. <laughs> And that there's a lot of smoke inhalation problems because of the fucking window tax. Well, they, I think, have a have a working window. But um, but they mentioned if you if you examine it, they even say like, it's like, no, we like, obviously it's 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 like you can't see out of it very well. I don't know if like the window is supposed to be frosted or foggy or what. But they say it's like, well, I mean, yeah, you can see out of it if you open the window. But like no Londoner would ever open their window in the middle of winter uh, no one would ever do that. Yeah, they keep going back to how cold it is and how foggy it is. The implication that if the window was closed, you're not seeing very far. Yep. So I think, uh, if I remember, that's, you know, that's kind of it in a way. Like, we're sort of like, oh my gosh, it's getting late. And it's like, and we're like, we don't have much time to decide whether or not we're, you know, going to represent. Um, First, like, Nadua Dogo is like, well, how does this help me with the case? It's good that we figured it out, but... That doesn't help me at all. And Holmes, Holmes says, like, I didn't promise that it was going to help you. Yeah. <laughs> I knew he was hiding something. Mm. Yeah. I, yeah, to be fair, Holmes really did say that, you know. So, um, uh, but basically he said he gives him kind of like, a, you know, what do you believe in and all this stuff? And he's like, well, I think I have to believe in the truth, justice or the client, you know. But he decides to go back to prison to Natsume and tell him you know what um hey I will represent you in court tomorrow and he's like oh thank you so much and he goes you know what because it's on the way oh oh you're right I'm sorry I forgot about this you're yeah. right we we see an, an altercation between um uh a man who two new characters yeah two two brand new characters we've never seen before uh, we've run into a guy that I, I want to describe as a fop, uh, but my the friend I was playing with described as just a literal incarnation of a playing card uh, who is constantly quoting Shakespeare uh, and apparently fighting with a guy whose jaw is the size of a grapefruit. And we don't... I don't think we really get an idea of, of what they're fighting about. Um, but the guy just keeps quoting Shakespeare until the other guy leaves. And... Uh, I think we learned that the, 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 the fop who again he's got like he's got like these bejeweled things he's carrying a scepter. Uh, this is a wild looking man, but I think we learned that he is the resident of the 
first floor apartment? Is, is Natsumi on the ground floor and he's on the first floor? No. The, 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 ground, the ground floor is... He's on the ground floor and Natsume is on the second floor or the first okay. floor. Or... Okay. But yeah, so we... That, that's really all we learned. He just quotes Shakespeare at us. We, we do learn that he talked... He talked with Natsumi about Shakespeare. Like, who was better? Shakespeare or... Someone no, who, else. Who was stronger, Macbeth or um, Hamlet? That, that right. was the discussion. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> who is stronger, quick, Macbeth or Hamlet? I'm going Macbeth. Yeah, Macbeth is stronger. All right. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. He'd win in the fight. Yeah. I mean, Hamlet got stabbed by the own, the poison sword, right? Spoiler alert, but you know. Hey, I was going to watch that play or read that book. <laughs> Did Venom do thy work? I mean, you know, come on. Get out of here. Jerk. <laughs> Anyway, um, Beth is a war hero. All right, enough, enough of this. Sorry. Anyway, so yeah, the 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 we, the the guy, the shake, the guy who keeps quoting Shakespeare. Yeah, what's his deal? We we do not know. <laughs> we don't know. We never get a name. There's two lodgers at the Garden Place. One of them is not Spain. One of them is is this guy who we don't know who he is. Gotcha. So at that point, we just have to just kind of go okay, and then head over to the prison, because visiting hours are almost over, so we, we need to tell him we're representing him if we're going to. Yeah. And we haven't decided at this point, so, because then Sherlock Holmes also shows up at the prison. That's right, and the guy, that's right, because the guy's like, oh no, not you. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's at this point that we are kind of having thoughts about, like, we're kind of coming into our own as a lawyer. We're wondering about what it is that's right um, do we, should we believe in our clients or should we take like an objective view? Um, and he, he isn't sure really how to approach it. And then Sherlock Holmes comes in and kind of relays his side of the story where he believed in Naruhoto, who was the only other person in a locked door murder, simply because that was what his gut was telling him. And he trusts his own instincts more than anybody else's. Yeah, he, he basically says, you know, uh, fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> and that's the phrase. That's how it goes. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, no, that's all he needs to say. Yeah, that's all he needs. <laughs> but um, um, more importantly, we also learn a bit about uh, Van Zix here and his history. Wait, what did we learn about that? So we learned that, um, so we haven't been in court for a couple of years now. But um, before mm-hmm. that, um, he was known... Um, as the Reaper, um, because he only went after the very worst of criminals. Uh, and he didn't win any, every case, uh, mostly because there were some corrupt lawyers that could um, convince the jury that the clients were innocent by manipulating evidence and doing um, bad stuff. Uh, but even the case that Van Zix didn't win the victims would, would would always disappear after uh, uh, weeks or months later. Uh, so some of them got hit, hit by carriages, some of them drowned in the Thames, some of them got sick, but everyone died. Yeah, uh, Sosaki also asks us to summarize it succinctly in 16 salient words, mm-hmm. and we, we summarize it precisely as no defendant has ever survived a trial in which the Reaper stands for the prosecution and then that's only 15 words, so we add dot, 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 ever. Yeah, I'm, I'm, going, I, I'm not going to get into here because it's long, but I'm going to write uh, uh, probably a, a Twitter thread about this specific line. 
because it's a very interesting one. Uh, the original line, how they translated it. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. But it's going to take way, way, way too long to explain it here. So I'm not <laughs> going to. Explain it in 16 salient words. <laughs> mm. Easy explanations excite me. Eggs. <laughs> no, yeah, it's we have more. <laughs> no, I'm doing alliteration. It's the other callback, the other reference. Oh. Jeez. Uh, I can't. All right, I don't know. Look, all I know is it's time for trial, okay? And we're gonna we're gonna save this jerk who apparently is a real person, and I had no fucking idea about that. But um, n- next time I think. Yeah. Well, actually, I mean, you know, before he's not, is there like what? What did we think of this chapter? Everybody happy with it? I mean, anyone have, have any theories? Because we actually stopped in the middle of the chapter this time. Uh, I don't know if there's enough information for theories right now because we don't really have anything that's going to indicate who else was involved. It seems like all we've done is eliminate suspects and get some. Yeah, we learned a lot about just British culture. You know, we learned what the Bobbies do on a day-to-day basis. We learned about the window tax. We learned about, about uh, you know, what it takes to be middle class. Uh, but we didn't, like, we didn't really learn about, we didn't learn who any of the witnesses are, really, or at least we didn't get to, to speak with them. Like, there's very, very little that we learned about the case, uh, up to and including our client, who basically said, I don't know, they're just, there was a person there, and they were suddenly stabbed. Yeah. I learned more about, like, our client on this podcast than I did in the game, to be honest with you. <laughs> That's the one thing about the localization that you're like, it's it's so tough, because how do they tell you who this person is without having to write something entirely new that isn't present in the original version? I know, I mean, like, they literally named him. Like, you, you wouldn't think you could get more explicit than that, but that is, in fact, not enough. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't strictly need to know that this is a real person, but the game, as it was originally written, expects you to know. Uh, it's a yeah. reference, a reference that, that is not obscure to the original audience of this game. Maybe a little caption when he pops up that says, hey, this is a real person. Go look him up. Just a little, like, VH1 pop-up video. <laughs> or just, like, awkward dialogue. Like, like the? <laughs> like, Nisosuke Natsume? I will say that um, maybe I will give you some food some for, for thought, but there is more foreshadowing about the actual case uh, in what we've read so far than you seem to think. Um... But I guess they did a good job of, um, of like obscuring it. So I mean, I'm assuming we must have learned all this for a reason. But you know, like both both um, both Giradib and our client, like both have gone to ma- either used bookstores in general or maybe the same used bookstore. Like things, there are little hooks, but nothing that I feel could fit together right now. I mean, like if you if you. God, I feel like if you're actually like onto who did it or whatever right now, that you might actually, in fact, be the <laughs> Iris Wilson. You know? Yeah, I don't think you, you probably can't, but some of you said some things during this recording that made me think that maybe you were thinking about some of this that stuff. That we were the murderer? But <laughs> apparently you, you, you aren't actually, so. Sorry to disappoint you. We don't have a thought. We're not as smart as we look. I think the maid did it. Yeah, the butler always does it. Right, so now it's the maid. Yeah, well, you have, to, you, have to, you have to switch it up. Well, that's the thing. Like, Holmes would think the maid, the butler always does it, but then you have to course correct. Let me call it. 
the, the one thing that I did notice about this case that I it's not it's not theory crafting, but I but like we talk about we actually talk about previous cases like the the characters do, which is seems very odd to me. Like we actually we talk about the case where we met Sherlock Holmes and we talk about this the the case that did not have a snake in it. And we talk about how weird we feel about the fact that our last client was probably guilty, but we got him off, except then he died. And so I find it really interesting that the the characters are actually reflecting on on their past. This game is, is I think, the most serialized of the entire series. Mm-hmm. It's much more of like one single long story than a bunch of unrelated cases. Which yeah. is weird because you can select the individual chapters like they're self-contained stories. They aren't, they aren't. Every one of them is self-contained, but they are also part of a larger arc. Well, I mean, I think like a lot of Phoenix Wright was, except you get like one case. Again, off the, I'm going off the earlier games, which I played, like like the Steel Samurai case you'd get or the um, the blah, blah, blah. The, uh, Any of the third cases really were usually pretty uh, individual. The circus case. Right, where it's like, okay, it's one more just to establish Edwards as your rival, but that's really it. In this one, know. too, I mean, this this case in this game is the one that is, like, kind of not related to the big story, but even this one is, is more related to the big story than they usually are. And we get, you know, we get character development out of it. I, I really feel like these people are are reacting to what's happened to them, and they are, they are developing through it. Like They're well-written, yeah. I like Suzato. I really like Suzato. I like her, too. I like everybody. I like them all. Yeah, actually, they're all pretty fun. Well, um... So I guess we'll see uh, in the next episode when we go through the trial exactly how everyone we've met now is involved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm assuming we're doing the whole trial for the rest of the chapter. Yeah, it's going to be about the same length, I think, as this one was. All right. Well, folks, thanks for listening. Please peruse our perfect podcast. Please peruse... Per- hey, not bad. No, yeah, I can't do one. You got it. You win. Actually, let's win. Yeah, awesome. All right, later, folks.